allow me to be the first one to wish you a Merry Christmas. I know we began our Christmas early, but uh, there's never a wrong time to wish another Christmas. And uh, today we are going to have a very, very long discussion with Mr. David uh, K concerning uh, just just talking about Christmas, but focusing mainly on the life of uh, Mary. Thank you, Samuel. Thank you, Kato, for sharing the show. Please let your friends know that we are live. Let your friends know that Cabin Devils is live. Christmas means different things for different people. And uh, I do not know what Christmas means for you. I don't want to make one definition for all of us. But as a father, for me, it kind of means more expenses. Why? Because uh, if you days ago i had my girls plan for christmas and we had a very interesting conversation uh, with the girls um, about what christmas is and what they want uh, for christmas and i overheard them planning and their their, their dream christmas uh, included swimming it had uh, of course childhood fantasies that come with the question what do you want for christmas things like ice cream and i must say for now christmas is still affordable but I'm afraid I won't be able to uh, fool them in three years. I think about three years, Faith should be a teenager of some sort, and uh, the gifts will change. They will gain more value. But as a child, that's what Christmas meant for me. It meant gifts. I do not know what Christmas means for you. So help me answer that question. What does Christmas mean for you? And remember, I'm not asking the question, what should Christmas mean for you? I'm only asking the question, what does Christmas mean for you? Please help me post that in the chat. I would like to read some of your thoughts. What does Christmas mean for you? When someone says Christmas, what's the first thing that comes to mind? It doesn't have to be a story. It could just be one statement. What does Christmas mean for you? I'm hoping to hear from most of you. One of the things that makes Christmas really, really complex is for me, I believe, is the one word, expectations. Especially when it comes to gifts. Especially when it comes to gifts. Things get very complex really, really quick. And you've heard me quote uh, this gentleman, John Bloom, uh, before. But he says some interesting things when it comes to gifts and, uh, and Christmas. He says this, and I quote, he says, we often give gifts because we fear disappointing or offending people and uh, we can feel obligated to give certain people a certain number of gifts or above a certain financial threshold motivations like those distort christmas gifts in, in into appeasing offerings and, and that's what people You've had them say Christmas is not about gifts. It's not about gifts. Why? Because there's some level of complexity when it comes when it comes to to giving gifts, especially around Christmas. And you saw today's poster; it had uh, gift boxes, and when you see them wrapped up well, immediately Christmas comes to mind. But John Bloom continues to say, says, and then of course we have our own expectations. The kind and quantity of gifts we give others and expect from others can have more to do with us than them. Maybe we use gifts to recapture nostalgic Christmas experiences of our past or to pursue ideal experiences we feel we missed out on. 
Or maybe our gift exchanges have more to do with generational traditions that the real people were giving to than the real people were giving to. It says, or maybe we errantly believe our value and others' values correspond to the expense or quantity of gifts we give and receive. And of course, I think I love his the way he's put it. It's, it's interesting how we view gifts, either when we're getting gifts or when we're receiving gifts. And I would like David at this point to call in so we can begin our uh, discussion tonight. David, please go ahead and call in as I look at some of the thoughts that we have running down in the chat. Lindsay says Christmas for her means love. I don't know what that is. Love can be interpreted differently by different people, but I think it's an expression in the sense that it's Christmas time. Let's show us love by the sense by that I mean let's show ourselves that we care for one another. And most people travel back to be with family. Others uh, buy send cards to those who they consider friends. And love is, I think, a good description of Christmas. And then Peterson, I don't know if it's, it's Kato Victor, says joy. It's true. Even as a child, I do remember it's Christmas time where the meals begin to change, where the meals begin to change. And we do have Florence here saying love. Again, Peterson also says love. Christmas means love for them. And uh, who else? We have Caleb. Caleb. All right. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see what Caleb is thinking. Caleb says, well... It's why I tuned in tonight. I want to know more about the whole day celebrations. If my memory serves me right, Jesus wasn't born on 25th December chronologically. And I personally have a bad memory <laughs> of the day since my dad passed on the 24th. Oh, so sorry about that. I was buried on Christmas. So sorry about that, Caleb. And uh, I mean, you're right, by the way, to say that 25th is not the day Christ was born. We only choose uh, to celebrate Christmas uh, that way. But so, so so sorry about that, Caleb. And uh, we do have Samuel here saying food. One expression, food. Interesting. And it's true. That's how the world has come uh, to understand Christmas. Let me have David. Please go ahead and call in. I would like to fire you a couple of questions. And uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward uh, to tonight's uh, discussion. Personally, one, I believe that uh, John Bloom is right in the way he has put it when it comes to gifts and our expectations of, of gifts. But David, what, what's your childhood memory of uh, Christmas? What, what, what do you think about the discussion so far, Devi? Um, Christmas, uh, of course, several things come to mind. Family. Uh, you get to see people that you had not seen for a while, all your cousins that uh, I probably used to correspond with, um, having lived very far from from home. And then, um, um, of course, the balloons. I remember the balloons. And then the Christmas tree. Uh, <laughs> remember those balloons that used to be for voting? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, those ones as well. On a chat, you know. Yes, you call balloons. <laughs> yes, yes. And then you always wanted the big one, but somehow mm. you ended up getting the smaller ones. And uh, some uh, disinterested person got the big one. Uh, but yeah, so for me, that was Christmas family, Christmas tree, uh, balloons, and yeah, just just having fun. Uh, I, I grew up in a generation, I, I think maybe almost all on this podcast were not 
born by then. But by then, that's the only time you had a chance to drink soda. Yeah, I know that yeah. is strange to a number <laughs> of people on the podcast right now. But mm. that's the time we had a chance to drink soda. And then the soda was maybe like two or three or four bottles. By then you had to get a cheat from a minister <laughs> to be able to no get way. soda. So mm. those four or three bottles, if you had them, you, you are big shot. You are connected <laughs> to someone in government. And those three or four bottles were shared by around 20-something people that came to the house. Uh, and then the rest we, we, we drank or, or, or movisi, you know, juice from, a, uh, what is it called, pineapple. Yeah, mm. so that's Christmas. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, definitely, when you say no, this podcast was alive, but I, it's true. But I, I do remember for me, it was the toilet paper was a decoration. People don't understand uh-huh. that. But <laughs> <laughs> and, and the cotton, and the cotton. Yes. Really, those were the On the Christmas tree. And, yeah. And, yeah, and we actually had Christmas trees. Leave alone these plastic things people have. And uh-huh. we burn them on the, on the 31st or the 30th of, uh, of, of January. But those are memories of Christmas. And, you know, when I was thinking about this, TV, my concern was we theologians have begun to understand that Christmas is not about gifts, okay? Uh-huh. And I believe in one way or another, I, I may be the only one, but I think we are choking the celebratory part of Christmas, which I think is also important. And we don't uh-huh. buy the gifts, uh-huh. we don't give the gifts, we don't send cards out anymore. And yeah, we've yeah. swung to the extreme. Of course, there's the other extreme of buying gifts and not even talk about the Savior. We don't even know him, but we've exchanged gifts. But I also think the other extreme is to ignore the whole celebration. And what do you have to say about that, especially for us who have been to Bible school and now have kids, Debbie? Well, I mean, where we are right now is because... Uh, uh, the business people have taken over Christmas mm. and it's a deliberate, it's a deliberate move. Yesterday I was actually listening to, uh, there's a book I'm listening to right now. Uh, <clears throat> it's titled the ruthless, you know, ending of, of Harry, but it's talking about how, for example, the phones, the people who design the apps and uh, the people behind the different things, they, they are working to get our attention uh, we are the product uh, that they are working to get, and and everything is designed to to take our attention away from different things, so that we are glued to the phone. And they have succeeded. Now, the same agenda that they have, the people who have designed apps, is the same agenda that you know the business world has with Christmas, that they have they have succeeded in taking us away. Uh, that is the whole the whole the whole world the culture away from you know, the message of Christmas to the commercialization of Christmas and the commercial aspect of it. Yesterday I was at a restock and you know, Christmas already is there. They're selling Christmas cards, they're selling this. So it's been commercialized. Unfortunately, the church has not been on guard against some of these you know, subtle things that are done to society. And we have also bought into that culture where commercialization has taken over uh, from you know, the the meaning of what Christmas is. And so it is very easy to find us Christians saying, you know, Merry Xmas, 
you know, mm. it used to be mm. Christmas, Christ. Now it is Xmas, happy holidays. Um, and and we, we, we take on these things very innocently, but it's, it's a way of the, the businessman to commercialize this and, and make as many sales as possible. Um, and so now it's even Christmas begins in the Western world, the Christmas uh, discussions and buying things begins in October, way in October. You, you go to, to stores uh, in October and they're already playing Christmas, not Christ-centered music, but Christmas music um, with sales and all these things. So um, we were called to be the soul to the world, but the world is, you know, uh, draining the salt out of us and we are losing our voice. Uh, we are losing our place where we we used to, you know, have Christmas as a central thing. When I grew up, almost everyone, even the village drunkard, uh, went to mm. church on, on, on Christmas Day. Mm. It was mm. such a hallowed thing. But now, uh, you know, families are choosing to do other things. They're choosing to, you know, go to the best place before, you know, it gets crowded. So church is out of the picture. Uh, and, and I think it's just an indication that the church needs to wake up. And these are just symptoms of a sleepy church. Well, there's, there's major points there, Devi. Um, to not just look at one area, uh, but to see the whole, to see the whole. And of course, getting to gifts, I'll, um, I, was, I was tempted to incline my understanding to the fact that the wise men, where they were three or six or seven, gave gifts. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to take us through what that means. But a gift is a gift. And, and I think when we think about gifts or whether we should exchange gifts or not, we, we error when we attach extra stuff to a gift. Um, those are the things we attach are only a reflection of our hearts in, in the sense that whether or not, what kind of gift am I getting? I mean, we're having a discussion on a group I belong to just before I came on and I asked a gentleman um, who they are buying a gift for. And he goes like, I don't know. And then from there on, of course, the conversation became a bit uh, a, a laughing matter when he's talking about the fact that whether he, he doesn't know whether he's going to get a gift or not. And I've made fun of our gifts for a long time now. Almost all, most of the Christmases have been with Grace, uh, which is about uh, more than 10. And... I kept, she kept asking me, what do you want for Christmas? And I would mention gadgets that start with I, iPhone, iMac, and I, 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 knowing she can't afford these things. And it's, for me, it is something we've been able to laugh at or laugh about. But here's the thing. Um, some of these attachments you attach to gifts, um, of course, they are our own making. And But sometimes even the person buying the gift can attach certain sentiments to it. And I'll give an mm. example here. And for the little I may know about you, the fact that you're in sports, you exercise, you, you don't value soda. I know mm. at all. Mm. But if I bought you soda, <laughs> there are several there are several implications. Okay. Or oh, things we can assume I'm intending when I buy what, what some of the things I'm communicating when I get I choose to buy you soda. One of them could also mean if I bought you soda, that I do not know you that well to know that you don't like soda. So would you look, you look at the soda and say, ah, of course this kid does not know me. But number two, there might be a thought that I want to make you fat. Okay, 
Mm. He doesn't mean well when he buys me soda. But number three, I don't value our friendship that much when I buy you a bottle of soda because I'm speaking to you and I'm communicating to you that's only worth 1K. But here's a question. What if 1K is all that I have? And I'm using soda here as an analogy for us to think through when we are getting gifts or some of the thoughts that go through our minds when we think of this whole gift exchange, especially Christmas and birthdays and other celebrations. But what if 1K is all that I have? What if the soda in this example reminds me of a very good memory of our friendship? And and when I was thinking about this, I remember the time Coca-Cola was advertising and they would put names on, on, on the soda bottles and would go to supermarkets to look out for a Nelson. <laughs> you had to look out for a David and you comb through all the bottles. And at that point, if you found one that has Chivaya on it and you gave it to Chivaya, that soda is very valuable. So it's, at this point, the discussion is actually beginning to show you that a soda can have value. But what if you don't drink soda? You have an option to give that soda to someone who does. It's an option. I'm not saying you're going to, but it's an option. But if I found out that you gave away my soda, I may have a problem with you. And and here is the thing. it's One would assume that that soda remained mine even after I gave it to you. Why would I have a problem with you giving the soda away when I gave it to you? And uh, also this reminded me of a time Grace gave me a shirt that I gave away. And from from my explanation, and I told this to her, that I thought that shirt was everywhere. And I proved it, by the way. Even her, she helped me prove the point that that shirt was everywhere. We took Mm -hmm. selfies with anyone who had that shirt, whether they were paying attention or not. And I can promise you, we had more than 15 pictures by the end of that year of that shirt being everywhere. But the guy I gave it to wore the shirt so faithfully he valued it. <laughs> and, and Grace is so proud of that gentleman. He says, mm. because he valued that. But for me, it's, it just was not. And I never needed her permission to give it away. And mm. just for the record, Grace has no beef with the shirt incidents. Number eight, going back to the soda. She's if just you logged gave, off. <laughs> no, she just gave a critique. I can see it down there. But... <laughs> But coming to number eight, going back to the soda, if you gave it away, do you need permission from me to give away the soda? If you returned the soda to me and said, Debbie, here is your soda, man, I don't value sodas, would that be a sign of honesty? Would it be rude? Should I gladly receive the soda back and move on with my life or wait for the day I can afford a rugby ball or a rugby jersey, your favorite team? And... I noted here that that could be five Christmases away from now. And that may be in five years, your desire may not be even a jersey at that point. It could be a Tesla instead. Mm -hmm. And all of this is to really ask one big question. What is your relationship with gifts? Or what is the biblical relationship with gifts? I don't know if there is one. Should I have given you the soda in the first place? Or should we have just chow and... I mean, no soda, no complications, and the problem is solved. Because I have friends who don't give gifts and are very slow to receive gifts. Why? Because it's complicated. We're coming to Christmas, and we need your help, Debbie. Okay. I mean, there's there's a myriad of issues that you've mentioned there. Um, I see Chibaya saying you have Malala. You should have just taken the shirt. Uh, 
<laughs> Those who don't understand Lugana, malala is not malaria. It is uh, <laughs> it's something else. But uh, I mean, there's, there's a mixture of things um, in that whole scenario. Uh, one, we need to understand that friendship is a process. Um, relationships are a process. They're not an event. Um, mm. And what do I mean by that? That uh, it, takes a, it takes a while to know someone. And, and sometimes once you've gotten to know the individual, they have changed. <laughs> mm. uh, several years back, maybe you would have needed a Nokia. You, you longed for a Nokia. You saw those big Nokias and you're longing for them. Now you've evolved, you've changed, you, you, you want an iPhone. Who knows what you will want 10 years from now, five years from now. And, and poor Grace might be saving to buy you a Nokia right now. I mean, a, an iPhone. And, and then five years from now, you've moved on to the next, you know, uh, gadget, the next brand. Uh, and um, <clears throat> so I say that to, to, to say that it, it is okay for someone to get me a soda if we've only just met. We are still in that process of the person knowing me and uh, I, I will appreciate the gesture of the gift. I mean, just this past week, uh, my wife and I got a gift from a, a friend who had traveled to South Africa and they, you know, so excitedly came and gave me a wine bottle and, uh, you know, they were excited. Um, <laughs> and I, I received it with all the excitement and I looked at the brand and I said, you know what, thank you very much and then after i got it i sent a message to my wife with a picture of the wine and i said who do we know that may benefit from this <laughs> our church does not take wine yes for for so we we started looking for someone we can give it to um but you know i appreciated the gesture i appreciated the fact that this person you know went all the way to south africa and you know there the hundreds you. of people Yes, the hundreds of people that they know, they mm. chose to give us and buy something because they thought about us. Um, so, you know, I, I believe it's the thought behind it. Now, the, the person that gives the gift needs not to act like the Western, uh, you know, world that gives us grants with all these conditions. Uh, mm. You know, we're giving you money, but you must allow this, you must do this, and then you must account. That is not a gift, that is a grant. So we need to be careful that we're not giving grants. Mm. Uh, when you give me a gift, it is mine. You have given it to me. If you find it at the door, especially if it's a new shirt, if you find it at the door <laughs> and we're using it as a rug to clean our shoes, please understand. <laughs> please. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Next. <laughs> You've not lost for the half manual of listeners. <laughs> not the manual part, the giving away part. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but, I mean, here's the thing. If you've given the gift, you've given. And that's the same thing mm. with God. God doesn't give and then he takes away. And, you know, well, there are some expectations with the gifts that he gives us for us to use them, you know, well. Uh, in, Stewardship is what he expects of us, especially with the gifts, the spiritual gifts that he gives us. But he does not take it back and, uh, you know, uh, does not uh, use other conditions. So when you give a gift you have given, chite, don't start having conditions that hey, Chilavida has given the shirt to so-and-so 
or David has done this and that, and don't even follow up and start asking mm. me, how have you used that gift? <laughs> that indicates other, you know, other motives that you have. Uh, so give and, and let, let, let it be. How the person uses it, if I decide to give it for Samaritan Sunday, because that's what my heart has led me to do, it's okay. Uh, if I decide to wear it once in a while, it's okay. If I decide to use it for jogging, please don't knock me when you see me jogging by the roadside. So, yeah, I, I think those are the two things that I, I get from that scenario that you give. When you give, give and let the person enjoy the gift as they please. Uh, but also you who's receiving, don't start reading and saying, now this person, how can they give me this? That's what they could afford. We had a group of uh, friends that traveled to Kayunga, I think last year in the middle of the lockdown. And um, not in the middle of the lockdown, I think just after the lockdown. And they went to this home and they were the, the people you know, welcomed them very well. And they were so excited that they had gone to the house. And guess what they had to offer them as guests? water and fene hmm. but that's because that's what they could afford you know they, they were they were they were hustling as pastors you know churches had been closed they don't have money for food and you know what <clears throat> my friends had gone there to give them an envelope uh, to help them you know through the difficult time an envelope that had money of course but you know what could they offer it was fene and and you know when I went uh, just a few weeks back, they were sharing how they were excited to see these people and they sat down and, you know, the, 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 my friends who sat down and they, ate, they welcomed the fena and they ate it with excitement. That the person that gives, you know, uh, that's what they can afford and take it gladly. Don't start judging. Don't start giving preconditions on what kind of gifts you should receive. Um, so I don't know whether I've answered uh, the question. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Thank you, Devi. Thank you so much. For those of you who have just joined us, we've all had the statement, Christmas is not all about gifts. But let's be honest, most of us, most of us here um, have Christmas childhood memories of receiving gifts. And uh, if your birthday or wedding involves receiving gifts, why not Christmas? And of course, there's more to Christmas. It is about the Messiah. Um, but I can also argue that every day of our lives is about the Messiah. And I did mention to you that the wise men offered gifts on the real Christmas. It was on 25th December, but they did offer gifts. These gifts had meanings. They had meanings. The one that stands out for me, Devi, among those gifts is the one that implied that Christ was born to die. And before we get to his death, let's go back a little bit to before he was born and, and, and just talk about the promise um, that the angel makes to uh, Mary. Of course, this is a message from the Lord that says, you will bear a son. You will bear a son. That was a promise. And today's topic is impossible or possible promises. Impossible or possible promises. Psalm 127 verse 3 uh, says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. That is Psalm 127 verse 3. Devi, the next question is quite difficult, but is necessary. Before, before we get to yeah. that question, uh, Frank mm -hmm. is asking, is there no stewardship in a gift? There is yeah. stewardship. Um, okay. and, and, and I think I need to use that gift wisely 
as the Lord leads me to use that gift. So for example, if you give me a shirt and uh, I just throw it on the road there, I don't think that is stewardship. Um, and, 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 you know, it speaks to my values. But if I get that shirt and, you know, I see a poor person, you know, my neighbor does not have a shirt and that's going to be their second shirt, I think that is stewardship because the gifts that God gives us also, they are for the good of others. Uh, you've given me a gift. Can you allow me to use it wisely as I see it fit to meet the need that is there that I see? The need for me might be to have another shirt for me or I have a hundred shirts and the need for me may be to, you know, help somebody else. So I, I think there's stewardship in how it is used. Uh, that's where stewardship comes in. Um, but no, not conditions on where and how I should use it uh, according to where you've given me that gift. But let's go to the next question. Yes. I also think Frank Levy is a manual fan. And when you talked about the manual jazé, that's probably where the problem came from. And uh, mm. would you put on the manual jazé, Devi? Anything that has a picture of a devil, I cannot wear it. <laughs> okay. His disclaimer is saying, saying Liverpool. Liverpool. All right. Awesome. But thank you for, for just uh, bringing that out. I think the stewardship issue or giving it away issue comes to who needs it more? Who needs it more? And I love the illustration you gave. It's not a grant. It's not a grant. It, it is a gift. And I think yeah. we need to know the difference. All right. Our next question is coming from Psalm 27. But before, you know what, let's answer that question. Then we'll go to, we'll take a break. That, mm. <laughs> that talks about children being a gift from the Lord. Okay. And we've been talking about gifts and we are now switching and coming to the life of Mary. And we're talking about this promise that the, I mean, that the angel makes to her, you will bear a son in your womb. And that was on the poster today. But yeah. David, there might be people here listening in and there's a struggle. It, it's, it's a difficult thing to deal with when you have to lose a child. But can we speak to people here that may have lost a child or perhaps know someone who did? We're going to talk about impossible promises, but... Please take a minute and encourage someone today for whom the gift of a child has become impossible. Of course, knowing a child, yes, is a gift, not a gift he has promised, but that does not take away the pain of not having a child. David? Well, I mean, the Bible uh, talks about children being a gift. And uh, we, we, we need to know, you know, uh, I think I am, I am just different. I, I usually get annoyed when I attend weddings and, uh, you know, either the preacher or someone stands up there and says, now the next thing that we expect from you is you, you need to have children. You need to, it's as if it is a guaranteed thing. It's not guaranteed, David. Um, children are a gift. A mm. gift is not guaranteed. I'm not guaranteed to get gifts this Christmas. I will be happy if I got a gift this Christmas. And I'm not going to put my wife at ransom to give me a gift. If she doesn't have the means, if she doesn't think it is the right thing for me to do and get gifts right now, it is okay. And <clears throat> on the other hand, those of us who have children, you know, uh, we, we, we need not think that we have children because either we, have, we, we are better than somebody else or we have deserved or 
we have the tactics of getting children, we have all these things. No, 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 no. It is a gift. And the same way God has given us the gift is the same way God can take away that gift. You know, you talk about, um, you know, losing a child. Amanda and I have lost a child before. Um, I think b- before Luca, there was, there was another one uh, that the Lord decided he's, he's going to, you know, take. I usually say my, my, my mother uh, was missing out on, on, on her grandchildren because my mother passed on before we had children um, and, and decided, you know, at least she, she, she's going to have one of them. Uh, we never got to know the sex, whether it was a boy or a girl. Um, but, but we know uh, Amanda had conceived and carried the baby for some months and then uh, the Lord took the child away. But, you know, when, when Luca came, you know, it, it emphasized the fact that Luca was a gift. Luca was not guaranteed. And guess what? Even Daudi was not guaranteed. Actually, there was a time uh, during birth where Daudi's heart, you know, stopped beating. Um, where my wife gives birth, they put all those monitors. I, man, eh, it is worrying. They monitor everything. Mm. And uh, they had given her some, some stuff and, and it, the contraction was so, so big. And for some, for some seconds, the boy's heart stopped beating. And, and doctors just rushed in and they started doing all sorts of things. Listen, even Daudi's birth was not guaranteed. Even Luca's birth was not guaranteed. What does it mean? It is a gift. Children are a gift. And any gift is not guaranteed uh, to be given unto us. And so when we get the gift, we need to be grateful. But when we don't get the gift, what do we do? Uh, This morning I was sharing, and and maybe this is going to take a while. Uh, This morning I was sharing with a group of of, uh, some people, uh, a devotion that they usually have every Wednesday. Uh, from 7 to 8, but I shared from Jeremiah 29, uh, from verse 4 uh, all the way to verse 14. And verse 4, you know, Jeremiah 29, it begins in a very strange way. Uh, Verse 4 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were ferried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. You know, Understanding that it is God that has you in that place. Either you've tried having children and nothing has happened, or you have tried to have children several times and there's several miscarriages. I know there are some people who don't want to hear this, but God tells Israel, listen, I am the one responsible for you to be in exile. Habakkuk had a very difficult time understanding how God operated. You know, he first started by complaining, you know, your, your people are disobedient. Then God said, this, I'm going to send the Babylonians. I said, what? How do you send heinous people? And God says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of it. So when we find ourselves in those patches, for example, you've lost children. Listen, you need to understand your life is not out of control from God's hands. Later on in verse 11, the, the very famous verse that we like quoting, for I know the, the plans I have for you. Listen, all that is having, happening within the realm of God's plan. Unfortunate, yes, it is. Sad, yes, it is. And I'm telling you this, I, I know what it means to lose a child because I've lost one. Was that within the realm of God's plan? Yes, it was. And however painful it was, yes, it was. But then he tells them several things that while you are in exile, 
I titled my message, you know, how to navigate through exile this morning. That while you're in exile, in verse 5, he tells them, build houses and dwell in them. He's telling them, listen, find ways in which you can still stay productive. You have lost that child. You've lost the second child. Find ways in which God can still have use for you. I know of, of some friends of mine, not in Uganda, that they lost a child and the woman just went into depression and, and she just lost it. She just lost it. The husband was a, a pastor at that time. I mean, they, they lost even their ministry. They just, they left it because all their hope was on this child that they had lost. And forgetting that, hey, you know, God has us at this place and we need to find something else that we need to do to be productive. Number six, he says, text wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons. Listen, number six, the general idea there is continue with your social life. Don't withdraw. The tendency of, of, of mourning and sorrow and depression that comes out of, you know, loss sometimes is withdrawal. And, and, and uh, we see a picture of that in Psalm 137. There are people who withdrew that famous psalm that talks about, you know, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, there we wailed, there we wept as we remembered Zion, that there was a group of the exile that decided for them they're going to be in mourning all throughout. But then there's a group that God is telling, listen, continue with your social life. Find a social support to help you through that. Don't withdraw. Don't run away. Don't feel like you're dejected. Uh, number seven, it says, you know, seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away. Listen, God has you in that place right now. It actually says not just seek the peace, but the welfare of that city. Um, what is he saying? There's a reason why God has you in that place right now. And it is for you to find out why and, 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 and find a way of thriving through that time period. Maybe he has you for counseling. You know, sometimes, and, and, and Corinthians talks about this, that sometimes God takes us through sorrowful things and he comforts us so that we can comfort somebody else, the God of all comfort. And I know it's interesting how when we lost our child, how God brought so many people in that situation that we were able to encourage my wife and I. And, and I don't know why. And I, and I know of couples who have gone for so many years and they've tried to get a child uh, and, and, you know, continued with their lives and used that as a ministry. And they decided to adopt a child. And at the point where they've adopted a child, God gives them a child of theirs. And I'm not saying that is going to happen to everyone. I, I don't know what plans God has for you, just like he says in, in 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. And, and the only way you can find out the plans for your life in that situation is by, you know, just stay close to him. Uh, you know, later on in, in verse in verse, um, verse 12, he says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me. You continue seeking him and seeking him in the Bible usually has a connotation of prayer and reading his word and seeking his will, even in the, in the midst of, of the laws and, and, you know, what you do not have. Seek him and find out what is your plan, God, even as you have me in this exile of not having a child, even as you have me in this exile of losing, you know, my children several times, what do you have? What is your plan? Um, and, and, you know, he makes several promises. He says, listen, when you call to me, I will listen to you. 
um, when you search me, you will find me. Um, and, and then, you know, he talks about even restoration. Now, how does restoration look like? Uh, for some of us, he may take us through a long patch of losing children. Restoration may look like getting a child. Some restoration may look like adopting a child. Some restoration may look like, you know, something else. Because we know when, when, when the Israelites were eventually restored to Israel, um, Jerusalem, it wasn't what they had before. Uh, and you know that story. Some of them wept when they saw the foundations and they compared the former to the present. It was not the same. So restoration may look different. But here's what I'm trying to say. God has you there for a reason. It may not be a pleasant thing for me to say, but he has you there for a reason. Seek him and find out what his plan is for you. But don't withdraw. Don't be dejected. Don't run away from him. Continue being productive in whichever way that he calls you to be. Continue, you know, being those social circles that God has given you, the body of believers. Let them encourage you. Encourage them as well. And then, you know, you know, seek to thrive. Seek to thrive. Just like he says, seek the peace of that place. Seek the welfare, some other versions say it, and, and seek to thrive in that place that God has you and allow his plan to take care until the time of restoration, whatever that restoration may look for you in his plan. That's a long answer, but um, I think that's the best way I can, I can seek to encourage someone. Um, do I still think about our, a second child? Yes, yes, we do. Uh, I do, and, and, and I look forward to to meeting that child, um, maybe when we go to heaven, I hope that child will be in heaven. Uh, I, I, that's one of my difficult classes that I have when I, when you know people mm. ask me when a child dies, do they go to hell or do they go to heaven? I don't know. I know the Bible tells me, you know, Romans six twenty three and uh, Romans three twenty three and all those things. But I hope, I hope, I don't know how God is going to deal with that. Um, but maybe I'll see them. Maybe I will not see them. Uh, but that was God's decision. Um, and what do we do? We, we move on and choose to trust that he knows uh, what he's doing. Uh, Romans uh, 8, uh, towards the end, says, you know, who can understand the mind of God? Who can be his counselor? Uh, he alone is wise and, and, and choosing to, uh, to trust and believe that he knows what he's doing. And his plan for me is good, even when it entails me losing my child. Hmm. David. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, David. Those of you who have just joined us or listening in, we are looking at Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Of course, talking about Christmas, but thinking about Mary and and, and Joseph and, and, and what God is trying to do in the history of mankind. Uh, when he says in verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, He'll be great. And he'll be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, uh, David. And of course, we're looking at that first part where he says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. This was a promise he gave to Mary. And we understand, according to the book of Psalms, that children are a gift from God. And we've been talking about gifts during a Christmas season like this or other occasions like birthdays and weddings and how sometimes our hearts react uh, to gifts, whether we receive them or not, what kind of gifts we get. 
And for me, this thought popped in my mind when I looked at this verse. I say, what about those who may not be able, at least for now, to hold on to those words? If they were made for them, you will receive um, a son or a child. And what does Christmas mean for them, knowing that the child has been born? And of course, they hear those statements, and and so many other memories come up. And we, mm. I mean, Caleb was 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 gracious enough to share with us um, just his part of the story. At his <coughs> on twenty fourth is when Dad passed on, and twenty fifth is when he was by. So for Christmas, for him, it, it's a bit different. It's not the same childhood memories we have uh, of gifts and balloons. And yet, the message of Christmas is at the heart of all of this. In saying there is hope. Uh, God has a plan. I mean, looking at the verse I just read for you, when he says he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high, God is giving plans and promises for this child to marry. But think back a little bit and think of the circumstances under which Mary gave birth to Christ. You would think they would have found the best hotel in town. You would think when the boy grows up, he's going to be the boy who doesn't cry through the night and things like that. Nothing wrong will go on. But you understand, I always think about this, that they actually sought refuge from Africa when they had to be away in Egypt uh, for a couple of days before they returned. While back home, where they were fleeing from, several other children lost their lives. Several other families um, were, were, were grieving. Uh, for the loss of their children when when they when uh, Harold was was trying to find out who this baby is and so just going through all of this we have to understand that yes there is hope there is joy that comes with this whole message of christmas but for some it leaves um or it creates that very difficult understanding of uh, i may not get this child or what is god's plan and david i don't know our time is really running out uh-huh. and uh just looking at this, I think we'll have to do continue some of this conversation on Friday and hopefully Monday. But I would like you for a minute now to just talk about the promises that God has made. And of course, we cannot claim the promises he has not made, but these promises he has made from Scripture that we can hold on to with both hands. Maybe the question I should be asking is, has God made any promises to us? Is it okay to dream big? Um, and I wrote here in my notes, I said, Mary had no clue she would be raising a king. She had no clue she would be raising a king. And it's interesting how um, sometimes when we think about accomplishing so much, we don't think we are the ones who will accomplish that. I love the words of uh, of Jack Watson when he talks about the fact that uh, he said, I believe it's the responsibility of every generation to reach their generation for Christ. And if God were to use anyone to reach this generation, it is us. It is us. Just thinking about Mary, uh, the promise to bear a child was was verbal. I mean, the angel said it, Mary had it. And uh, I want to say that it's possible. I think we today are privileged to have some of these promises uh, written down, promises from God's word. Um, But for the promise of a child, this seemed very impossible. Uh, for a virgin. And I think until today, this story is not believed by many. I mean, they all cite the fact that it is impossible for a virgin to bear a child. Now, most of our generations, um, when you think about us young people, we, we want to leave a dent in this world, Devi, um, and, and something to be remembered for. We want we want to impact the world around us. Um, but a question I would ask 
after looking around is, can God use even me? I mean, just looking back at my background, uh, family background, um, last week we were talking about attending a Word of Life camp, which for me I believe was a turning point in my life because when I returned 2003, and Shiva reminded me of the exact dates of when that camp was. David, you remember this in Taiba <laughs> High School? Yes, um, yes. When we jogged up that hill and the verse that we memorized, Matthew 6, the Matthew uh, 6.33, yes. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And I love the way we used to sing that verse, and all these things shall be added unto you. I think it was you leading that particular uh, morning jogging. Uh, jogging morning trot. The morning trot, yes. And returning home, we borrowed the camp games for Word of Life. We were taking them back to Word of Life. Then in Intinda, and that's when I asked the director, I said, I want to be a camp counselor. And for me, that was a turning point. Joined Word of Life, joined campus at UCU, and never turned around. From there, I said, you know what? I'm coming to serve the Lord no matter what. And I do remember the words that come fire. Um, all that I am, all that I have, all that I ever hope to be, I now and forever dedicate to the Lord Jesus Christ for his use and glory now and forever. And I remember that campfire, that kid gave us stickers that had those words that we would put in our Bible to remember the decision that we made to serve God. And I didn't know what that meant. But talking through all of these, I cannot say these are promises that God made from his word that David, you will never suffer as you serve, as you serve at Word of Life. That's not written anywhere. But I want to believe there are promises that he has made that are clear from his word. I mean, you think about it. This question usually comes up for me in evaluating who I really am and why I'm here. When I think about men like Billy Graham and the Charles Ryrie, I mean, they have study Bibles and basic theology. But when we ask these questions of whether we should leave a, we will leave a dent in this world or not, talking about mm-hmm. the promises of God, people don't, or rarely, not that they don't, but people rarely talk about Billy Graham's mother or mm-hmm. Charles Riley's Sunday school teacher. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we don't. And yet these, these women, for example, are equally significant if we are to measure impact. We talk about the impact that Christ left, and we know the story of Mary. But I want to take a minute right now to just simply appreciate all the mothers out there. But of course, thinking about my own mom that probably had to run to Egypt <laughs> to save the life of a boy on a donkey. Um, and I know my mom has stories of how she, how many snakes she's killed. She knows how to beat snakes. She has a technique. Don't hit it on the head the first time. Hit it just below the head. It will coil and then you can hit the head. But all of these things she's gone through trying to keep us alive. And shout out to all the mothers who are listening in right now, probably those who have babies, who they are nursing. And of course, just thinking about my own wife right now. But Devi, please answer that and, and just, just share with us. How can I take the promises God has already made and do, and in quotes, is impossible things, impossible things. Um, just thinking about that today. How can I take God's promises? And maybe this is going to be a very brief introduction, maybe for five minutes and just wait our appetite concerning what will be taking place this coming Friday. Devi. Well, I mean, several things there. Um, <clears throat> one, promises, uh, sometimes promises don't come as quick and as fast as we expect them to. You know, you think about David. Uh, David is 
is not only promised, but he's also anointed as king, but he's going to spend 15 years in the wilderness running like a fugitive. Abraham is promised to get a gift of a, of a boy. It takes 25 years for him to realize that. So sometimes God's promises, yes, he's going to promise something, but it may not be immediate. It, it may be, it may take us through a, a time of testing. David was tested several times, including having the life of Saul in his hand and he could do anything. But his faith was tested and his resolution to sticking true to God's word was also tested when he remembered, listen, Saul, as long as he's alive, he's the anointed of the Lord, regardless of what state he's in. And the same thing with Abraham. Unfortunately, Abraham failed the test and decided to heed to something else. But when you talk about uh, you know, God's gifts for us, God does not dish out gifts randomly. The gifts that God is going to give us are going to be in line with his plan or our purpose in life. God is, you know, Mary's gift of a baby was not a random gift. God did not just pick any girl in Jerusalem or Nazareth or wherever they were. He just did not pick any random girl. You need to see the genealogy where Mary came from, that she was born for that purpose. And that gift she was given was for the purpose that she was born for. Her giving birth was predicted in Isaiah, a virgin will give birth. The gifts that God gives us or he does not give us is not a random thing. God is not going to give me a gift that is not in line with my purpose. However much I fast and pray and cut myself and do all these things, give half of my fortune for tithe and offering, he's not going to give it to me. If I have been called to be a Billy Graham, God is going to give me the gift of teaching, evangelism, and exhortation. If I've not been given the gift of being a Billy Graham and an evangelist and all that, but he has given me the gift of raising a Billy Graham, he's going to give me the gift of patience and etc., etc., etc. So the gifts, there's, there's a difference between desiring a gift, okay? Desiring a gift, and we desire so many gifts. I mean, I would love to be like Billy Graham and talk to thousands and share gospel to thousands of people. But God probably has not given me that gifting to be in that line. There's a reason why I was born in Uganda, in my particular family, and the reason why I possess certain gifts in Uganda right now, and that I'm working at a Bible Institute right now. And, and, and there's a reason why, you know, we talked about children. There's a reason why somebody has not been given a child right now. And for that individual to understand what is God's purpose for me right now. And that purpose can only be fulfilled right now when you don't have a child. God is going to transition you, God willing, and I pray if there's anyone here that's listening that is in that situation, that God transitions you to the point in his time where you'll have a child. And when that child comes, the purpose he had for you back then is going to seize and is going to have a different purpose for you. 
So for us to understand God's gifts are not random, and Corinthians tells us that. He gives as he wills, according to his will, according to his purpose. And not all of us are going to have all those gifts when talking about spiritual gifts. So having understood that, you talked about expectation. I'm going to combine this with expectation. Having understood that, I need to understand what gifts has God given me? And how do they rhyme with who I am, my background, and hence my purpose in life? Some of us have been called to do big things, be on the big stage. Some of us have never been called to be on the big stage. And that's where sometimes you have problems that people insist on being on the big stage and they become terrible leaders or terrible managers or terrible thing because you are never meant to be there but you insist in being there. Some of us have just been called to support big people and it is okay to be in that role. I know your desire may be to do great things and, and open this and go and discover this, but that may not be your calling and God may not have given you giftings for that. So this, this is actually a good topic for us talking about purpose in life. I've been talking about purpose and purpose in life for the past two weeks. It is important with whatever expectations you have that they fall within the realm of God's purpose for your life. And guess what? Once you discover that, your eyes will be opened to the numerous gifts that God has given you. Listen, when Second Peter says, his divine power has given us everything that we need for life. God has given you everything, every gift that you need for his purpose for your life at that particular moment that you're in. You're not lacking in anything. The reason we feel that we're lacking is because we lose sight of why we're here and the purpose he has for us at that particular moment. And we start gazing around. The Israelites' purpose in the wilderness was for them to get to the promised land. They lost focus of that. They started thinking about garlic and chicken and they wanted to go back. That's where the problem lies in. So as we talk about gifts, let's think about purpose. Mary's gift of a baby was in accordance to her purpose in life for her to deliver the child. And God gave her that gift. The gifts that you desire from God, they need to begin with you knowing what's your purpose. And once you know your purpose, you can start to pray aright and God will grant it to you in accordance to his will. So that is kind of a, a background that probably I am laying for, you know, when we get to the gifts, because Friday we are going to talk about not just gifts, but the gift, because that's what Christmas is about. It's not about gifts. It's about the gift. You know, and how, did, how is that connected to the gifts, therefore? What should be our attitudes as we give gifts uh, to other people? Where should they be pointed to? Uh, we've started a tradition with our children that even as we, we get gifts, they also have to identify gifts that they give to others to remind them that it's about giving to others just like God gave to us. God did not get gifts for himself. Our children want to get gifts. Uh, God did not you know, give a gift so that he can get to himself a gift. He does not expect anything from us. We were looking at Romans 2 Sundays ago. There's nothing we can give God. He expects nothing, but he gave for the benefit. So, what should be our attitude even as we look at gifts? 
And what is the progression of us, you know, being distorted in losing the gifts? You look at Genesis 3. Um, I was looking at Genesis 3 earlier on and, and looking at how those guys missed out on the gift and the progression it took. And sometimes that's the same progression that we take. But that will be next Friday, God willing. David. Thank you. Thank you so much, Devi. And just looking at today's topic, we we just could tell that we will not have enough time to go through all of it. And pl- part two is planned, yes, for Friday. Yeah, talking about gifts and the promises that God has made and he fulfills. Devi, I like how you put it today, especially towards the end there, when you talked about God giving gifts with a purpose, with a purpose. And it's true, if all of us were on stage, that stage would be so big. Someone has to sit and listen and, and, and be ministered to. Uh, but to think, because I'm not on stage, therefore... I am not accomplishing God's purpose, I think can be a very weak attitude uh, to view or understand what God has intended for us. And I think it's important that each one of us can look into our lives and ask the question, what has he called me to do? What has he called me to do? As we think about gifts on Friday. David, let me interrupt you. Can you imagine David crying out to God to get a rod because Moses had a rod? (laughs) <laughs> to fight Goliath. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? But that's what sometimes we do because it's this larger than life person that we idolize and we also want a rod. But mm. God's purpose for David to have a stone and David's purpose for that particular time was to fell Goliath. And God at the right time, the right place provided the stones that he was able mm. to use. For, and God, for Moses, and he I asked think- him, what do you have? Hmm. You know, uh, a rod, and that's what God needed for the rod to be used. And that's what he gave him at that particular moment uh, to use. Samson, it was his hair. Can you imagine David crying out for hair, saying, God, give me long hair so that Hmm. I can fill Goliath. So every gift that God gives us, it's for a purpose, for a season, and, 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 and it's in line with what God has called us to do. And we need to start desiring those gifts that are in line with God's purpose for our life. Do you know your purpose? You know, it's going to be very difficult to end this show. Just thinking about David Devi, now that we are talking about David Devi. And, but God prepared David, even in his childhood, for that. Huh. Um, huh. And in, because some of the things David talks about is, I, I was able to slay lions and bears. And so mm. who is this Philistine? And he has a history of preparation. And mm. it's interesting, if you look at how Samuel is looking for him, he actually has to ask, don't you have anyone else? Why? Because the role David was playing at that point was so significant, they even forgot they had a child. Um, mm. And so it's it's just interesting just thinking about that illustration. Thank you. And thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to take this minute to remind you that we have Samaritan Sunday on the 19th of December. What is Samaritan Sunday? We pick out this, of course, from the scriptures. We talk about the good Samaritan who was able to help another in need. And we are taking items from our houses that are gently used. It could be clothes. It could be a bed. It could be whatever it is, a bookshelf. It could be some saucepans, some cups. We are putting all these items together and we are inviting the community around Chitende, even Kajansi, to come 
to Word of Life and pick three items. Each person comes and picks three items and we can only invite up to 400 people. 400 people, of course, not having more than 200 people on the property at a time. And as they're picking these items, we intend to share the gospel with them. You can be a part of this. You can be a part of this. We would gladly receive your items. And so if you have some items that you'd like me to uh, maybe get in touch with you, we do have uh, border borders we can send that can be able to pick them up. And uh, just get in touch with me. David at cabindepots.com is the email where you send and say, hey, <clears throat> please get in touch with me. I would like to be a part of this. And if you're far, probably you're in Rwanda, Kenya, Mozambique, South Africa, and all parts of Uganda where you think a financial gift will help, we don't mind going to Owino and buying those clothes so that these uh, can be able to, one, have a very beautiful Christmas, of course, by receiving gifts, but also to hear the message of the Savior, which is the only gift uh, that uh, lasts for all eternity, the gift of salvation. And you can be a part of this. Please get in touch with me by sending me an email, david at cabindevils.com. I'll gladly, I'll gladly receive those items. David, thank you so much. Uh, for being with us tonight and I'm looking forward to Friday. Guys, we'll see you again on Friday. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Chipson, Frank, uh, Victor and uh, so many of you who have chosen to join us uh, for Cabin Devils. Thank you. Thank you and thank you. I cannot thank you enough. I'm glad that you guys came. Hope to see you again on Friday at exactly 9pm East African time. Have a good night. And we'll see you soon. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to bed, before you go to bed, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils. Cabin Devils. Your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.